Hunter Biden made a surprise visit today on Capitol Hill and then made an abrupt exit when Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene was preparing to ask him some questions. So what's Hunter running from? We discuss with John Zadrosny. Blood is spilling on Ecuador as the cartels take up hostages. War correspondent Michael Yan joins me to discuss. Illegal migrants are bringing dogs to our southern border and then they're abandoning them. Now this normally would have a sad, unfortunate ending, but independent journalist Julio Rojas shares some happier news. All that and more on The Brianna Morello Show. Earlier today, Hunter Biden made a surprising appearance at a committee hearing. He showed up. Most of people, well, most people that I spoke with didn't think it was going to happen, but he did make an appearance. It was very, very brief, though. Hunter was uh, obviously a little intimidated by Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. As soon as Congressman James Comer made the announcement that she was next to speak, he ran off. And it's quite interesting, mainly because it obviously looks rehearsed. It doesn't look like this was organic. And interesting enough, though, we had Nancy Mace. So Congresswoman Nancy Mace actually spoke out about this because she was one of the few who went after her fellow Republicans for not showing up when they were subpoenaed. So let's take a listen to what Nancy Mace had to say uh, earlier as a reaction to all of this going on. But Hunter Biden, you were too afraid to show up for a deposition and you still can't today. Um, I believe that Hunter Biden should be held completely in contempt. I think he should be hauled off to jail right now because it wasn't long ago to my friends on the other side of the aisle um, that you also believed in the, the power of a congressional subpoena. Not long ago at all. You believed in holding those who refused to comply with congressional subpoena accountable. And I stood with each and every one of you. I am the only member in this room today who has held a member of my own party in contempt of Congress for not showing up for a subpoena. And I see nothing but complete hypocrisy on the other side of the aisle. But Hunter Biden, you were too afraid. So there you have it. I want to bring in my next guest, America First Legal's Johnson Drosny. He is the former senior policy advisor for the Trump administration. John, thank you for being here. Listen, Nancy Mace, uh, she's seems to be surprised, right? We saw that when the roles were reversed, she did support Democrats. And it's the reason why I always tell Republicans not to jump on the other side and help them out, because when the roles are reversed, they don't seem to want to act on their own. What's your take of what's unfolding today? And are there any legal ramifications for this? Hey, Brianna, thank you so much for having me on your show. Uh, you know, it's it's been said before that if the Democrats didn't have double standards, they wouldn't have any standards at all. And this is pretty solid proof of that, right? You have a situation where uh, a member clearly basically defied Congress, clearly is subject to a subpoena, clearly doesn't want to have anything to do with it. He wants the drama and the appearance of, of compliance without actually complying. And Ms. Mace was 100 percent correct. Like uh, she voted with Democrats expecting them to be consistent. And that was a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, and now Hunter's going to walk. You know, the one thing that uh, people forget. And by the way, too, if they do pursue contempt against Hunter Biden, you and I both know what's going to happen. It's going to be referred to the current Department of Justice and end up in a circular filing cabinet. Um, very few people know that the sergeant at arms of the United States House of Representatives can actually arrest people. Uh, so I'm actually kind of shocked that they didn't just have him standing outside the door, making sure he was detained for at least the, the proceeding. Um, but that's something that very few people know can be done, but it can be done. And, you know, uh, if Congress ever wants to do that with a situation like this in the future, they should think about it. Interesting enough. Now, who would ultimately make that call in Congress to do so? 
That's a good question. I mean, I think that would be directed by the Speaker of the House. Uh, you know, we, it, one of the things we talk about is there is, uh, we talk about House leadership and Senate leadership in quotes, but um, the Senate really has an officer, but it's not the same as the Speaker of the House. And I believe the Speaker controls that function. But uh, yeah, it, it really, it is something that should be looked into for circumstances like this. And I think it's, uh, you have a unique situation, Brianna, where you have uh, the president's son, who is very hostile to following the law. And uh, he's right there in front of Congress and they, they can't make it stick. So we'll see what happens in the future. Yeah, ultimately, I mean, we, we want them to follow the law, but there's no ramifications for when they when they do. Unfortunately, people like Peter Navarro, Steve Bannon, they learned the hard way and they're going to learn the hard way because they're probably going to be sent to the prison time for contempt. And uh, members of the Biden regime and their close family members will not. And that's just the standard that this new uh, regime has kind of set so it's unfortunate when Nancy Mace gets upset over these things, right, that Democrats aren't uh, doing the same that they were doing when the roles were reversed. But we we always warn about this. Don't side with Democrats. Don't give in. Don't do this, you know, righteousness thing where you're pretending like there's something. Uh, oh, we have to we have to set the standards. We have to stop doing that. Lesson learned, I guess. I want to jump over to something else, though. Uh, DHS Secretary uh, Mayorkas is facing impeachment uh, threats right now. Obviously, the hearings are underway. We saw it fail the first time when Marjorie Taylor Greene kind of pushed it forward. Congressman Marjorie Taylor Greene tried to push it forward. Uh, She fell short of that because it was very premature. But now it seems legit, right? Now we kind of have... Uh, this this impeachment hearing happening, and it looks like he might actually end up getting impeached. Now, I want to bring up this great soundbite uh, earlier this week. Uh, Florida Congresswoman uh, Kamak, I believe is her name, she spoke out on Fox News about all of this. And so ultimately, she's saying that she was receiving, well, she potentially received the threat from Mayorkas when she proposed the idea of him being impeached. I want to play that real quick and then get your reaction to that on the other side of this. You know, he has lied repeatedly to Congress. He has been negligent in his duties. He needs to go. He needs to be impeached. Our national security depends on it. Do you think it'll happen? Absolutely. I have yet to meet one Republican. Heck, I even know of some Democrats that are anxious to get rid of him. And let me remind you, when behind closed doors, we told him, you're you're getting ready to be impeached. He said, you're not going to like who comes next. I asked him if that was a threat. Whoa. He just smiled. This man is dangerous. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he is two-faced. We need to get rid of him now. What did he mean, who comes next? Well, that was the big question. I asked him, I said, is that a threat? And he just smiled. And I thought, this man knows exactly what he's doing. This is 100% by design. They want an open border crisis, whether it is Mm. for a election, whether it's for future votes as they work to get rid of citizenship as a requirement for voting. We're not sure, but he was very, very clear in what he said, and there were other members in the room. So I will never forget that. And as we go to impeach him for his negligence, for him destroying our national security and eroding our national sovereignty, that will be top of mind. Okay, so, John, I want your reaction to that, because that was very, that was interesting. Did it sound like a threat to you? Because it sounded like a threat to me. Brianna, it, it totally sounded like a threat to me, quite frankly. You have to remember something about Alejandro Mayorkas. He is one of the most vile human beings to ever draw a federal paycheck. Yeah. He is thuggish. He treats people poorly. He is a radical leftist. And everything Ms. Kamak said in that clip is 100% true from, um, you know, she talked about what he said to her and perceived it as a threat. I agree with her. But she was also 100% right about what this is about. Alejandro Mayorkas is intentionally tanking 
federal law, abdicating on federal duties, ignoring the safety concerns of the United States citizens intentionally for a policy goal, which I believe is exactly like Ms. Kamek said, basically to flood the zone to make sure they've got enough voters in the future. Because when you spend 50 years aborting Americans in the womb, you're short about 64 million voters and you've got to find those votes somewhere. So um, I think that's absolutely what's going on. Uh, I think what she said, too, is spot on in terms of the sentiment regarding him, because he has a unique contempt for Congress and he shows it at every turn. Um, I suspect one of the impeachment, I can't prove this, but based on what I've seen so far, uh, what I've heard from members and what I've seen in the news, I think one of the impeachment charges will probably focus on uh, his fictitious statements or false statements to Congress, rather, um, because he's basically lied to their faces several times, including during sworn testimony. So, um, yeah, he's he's um, what I consider him to be is the type of person who should never have a federal job mm-hmm. because he takes the salary. He has all these benefits. He has the perks of being in, in charge of an agency. Uh, but he doesn't do his job. He's intentionally not doing his job for policy gain. And Americans are literally dying as a result of him being in office. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Honestly, I feel like this is all intentional at this point. There's no way that this is just uh, flying under their radar. They're putting us all at risk. We're constantly seeing lists uh, being made public or leaks, I guess I should say, regarding the suspected terrorists that are making their way into this country. And that's the ones that we we catch. And so unfortunately, as an American who's very concerned, it looks like they're setting us up for a disaster and everyone should be deeply worried about this. Do you think that even if they do impeach Mayorkas, do you think the person who comes in behind him will be even more radical than he is? Uh, well, that's a good question. That, that depends on certain circumstances. But I think that's obviously what he meant. That's probably what the Biden administration would do. The good news or bad news, depending on your perspective, is it's January of 2024. Um, and even though Republicans in the Senate are kind of weak, they may not be jumping all over themselves to confirm a new secretary of Homeland Security. They may just have to make do with the current deputy secretary who'd then become acting secretary were he to disappear. Um, and I, you know, you and I both know that some things will continue to be the same. Um, in fact, most things will continue to be the same, but we learned the hard way in the Trump administration that when you're, you don't have a Senate confirmed secretary of a cabinet agency like Homeland Security, and you have an acting secretary like we did with Chad Wolf, uh, you have problems with a lot of things getting finalized, including regulations. So yeah. uh, the Republicans should take this as a, a chance to stop the Biden administration by removing Alejandro Mayorkas. You know, whether he do I think he'll be removed by the Senate? No. But do I think the Biden administration might say, look, Ali, we got you a job at the on the board of Boeing. Uh, we need you to go. We don't have time for your impeachment defense and Joe Biden's impeachment defense. He might go and then they'll have to deal with what they've got. Uh, it could come up the works. And I think Republicans should take it as an opportunity. That's a positive, again, to come up this administration because of all the damage they're doing when they are unblocked. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that, John. And listen, a lot of Americans are concerned. It's not just an, a Republican issue at this point. I think a lot of Democratic voters or, or Democrat voters are seeing this in their community play out as well. Uh, in New York yesterday, John, you and I are from New York City. We, we saw video of parents uh, outraged because their kids are being cooked, uh, kicked out of school. They are being forced now to be taught remotely so that they mm-hmm. can make way for these illegal migrants to live in the schools. And it's unfortunate, but... What we're doing now, and I think that this needs to happen as as horrible as that is, I think it needs to happen. I think, you know, blue voters need to understand what the ramifications of voting for these beliefs really really is. They're, they're not seeing it firsthand because it's happening in Texas, Arizona, and the border states. 
But you got to force these issues to their community to get them to change this habit. And it's happening during election year. Uh, I want to, before we wrap, I wanted to bring up this really interesting Rasmussen poll because it's a great one. Um, how accurate is it to describe the current situation with migrants at the border with Mexico as an invasion of the United States? Keyword, invasion. Now, according to Rasmussen, 60% of uh, white people they polled said that's accurate. Uh, amongst blacks, it was 74%. Other minorities, 73% felt that that was accurate. All voters agreed that that is extremely accurate, 65% accurate. So, John, what's your takeaway of this? Because it's going to play into the election year. We're about, what, 10 and a half months away from from the big election. How do you think this is going to play out? You know, Brianna, that's a great question. I mean, I think th- those numbers are staggering, especially when you consider the minority uh, aspect of those, those poll, the poll. Um, and I'm assuming they're all citizens. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I always remind people of when the left runs around talking about demographics, black, Hispanic, blah, blah, blah. I think in terms of Americans. Yeah. And the reality is, um, you know, 70% of the U.S. Border Patrol is fourth-generation Mexican-American. These are people who care about the law and care about the United States. Black Americans in cities all over the country are getting screwed by the Biden administration because they can't get jobs, because illegal aliens are stealing those jobs and pushing their kids out of schools. Mm-hmm. So um, it's like you said, you know, we are we are New Yorkers to some degree still, and uh, uh, New Yorkers do have, our fellow New Yorkers do have a blue streak, but at the same time, they're deeply commonsensical, and they don't take abuse from anybody. And I think this is exactly like you said. It's been stuck at the border for so long. It is now a national problem. The volume and scale of the problem caused by Alejandro Mayorkas and Joe Biden is so awful. The stench is so high that it's now in almost every corner of the United States. And, you know, this, like you said, it has to happen. Uh, It sucks that some people are being pushed out of schools and so on. But we'll get to the other side. We just hope people come around in November. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so, too. I mean, this is the only way that we're going to get them to see the other side of this. It's not a race issue. It's not a matter of of whether you're a racist or not for not wanting people to illegally enter your your country and go unvetted. It is a humanitarian crisis, of course, but it's now a humanitarian crisis for American citizens. And that's something that needs to be redirected. John Zendrosny, thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm so excited to have you on the show. We look forward to having you back on very, very soon. You guys, I've said it once before, so I'm going to say it again. Under the Biden regime, I've never been more worried about my financial future. I called my good friend, Dr. Kirk Elliott, because I wanted to come up with a plan put in place to make sure I was secure. And he came up with a plan for me to invest in silver. I'm rich. I've got my silver. I'm feeling so much better about my future. I highly recommend you give him a call and just chat with his team. 720-605-3900. And you could also head over to his website if you'd like to schedule an appointment. It's kirkelliottphd.com slash Brianna. Hey, everyone. I'm getting ready to head out right now. But before I go, I always have to put on some deodorant. And I used to look all the time for the best deodorant. I couldn't find it on the shelves at all until our good friends over at Give a Derm came out with a brand new deodorant. This one's called Pits Me Off. It's incredible. Watch this. It's super easy. Ta-da. And that's all you need. And it dries super quick. Obviously, I'm wearing black. There's no white residue left over. It's a natural deodorant. It's made right here in the USA. There's none of those Chinese harmful chemicals also included in it. It's giveaderm.com. And then use the promo code Brianna for 10% off. You gotta try it.
I want to bring your attention to what's going on right now in Ecuador. It's it's definitely something you should be focused on right now. You might have seen some images online. They were very graphic. We're not going to show you the graphic ones. We will uh, let you guys look those up later. But ultimately, right now, Ecuador is at war. The cartels have gone after the Ecuadorian uh, military. They are also taking hostages at TV stations and as well as um, universities. Once again, before we start playing this, the the videos are pretty upsetting. Uh, so just to be cautious, but we won't share you the graphic images. Ultimately, they are holding uh, TV stations, people within the TV stations hostage. As you could see here, this is one of the cartels doing so. And, and they're also doing this at universities. I mean, these are students, professors. Uh, sadly, they were held hostage. And most of you are probably kind of confused as to what's really going on here. Obviously, we know the cartels do have a stronghold on areas like, like Ecuador, but ultimately, if you didn't hear it over the news, uh, two cartel leaders were actually, uh, they escaped and they were in prison and they were escaped. And so now what's going on is the cartels are pushing back because they do want to keep their leaders free. And uh, this is what you see here, what's going on. Again, this is the live TV show that was on air, unfortunately, when the cartel came and started grabbing hostages. There's videos online, which I don't recommend you you looking at because they're so graphic and disturbing, but of hostages being executed, sadly. And so obviously, this is something that's deeply concerning. Now, the president of Ecuador, he came out and he said that currently there is an internal armed conflict right now in his country. It seems to be softball to me. It looks like you guys are at civil war right now, being that your military has to fight these cartels off. And they are well equipped, these cartels, as many of you probably already know. Ultimately, um, this is deeply concerning, and it, it has many people like myself asking questions, what can we in the United States expect? Because ultimately, these people are coming into our country illegally, Ecuadorians, and you don't know if they're members of the cartel or if they are just people fleeing the violence in Ecuador. And you, you really have to wonder what's going on and what's our future here in the United States, because we are letting these people in. Not us, obviously, the Biden regime. They are unvetted. We don't know much about their history. We don't know much about their backgrounds. And we're being told we have to accept them. We have to let them into our country. And so ultimately, yes, it is deeply concerning. I want to bring in a guest who's been uh, all over South America and has been covering this for quite some time. He's somebody who I turn to when I'm looking for information about this stuff. Uh, I want to bring in combat correspondent Michael Yawn. He's here. I'm sorry about my haircut and my non-shave, but I've been in the jungle. I've been down in the Darien Gap again. And so I'm up here to meet with some people and go back to the jungle. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So watching what's happening in Ecuador, you know, the, I see Ecuadorians coming through every day through the Darien Gap. We have millions of people coming into the United States unvetted for a year. I'm sorry, the cleaning lady just showed up. Hola, Olympio. So, so, so anyway, so um, so you'll she'll be cleaning my room. I'm in I'm in a hotel. Like I said, I just came out of the Daring Gap, so I'm up in Panama City to meet with people. But the bottom line is is um, uh, we have millions of people flooding across the U.S. border, uh, tens of millions actually uh, over time, uh, and completely unvetted. We're talking Chinese. Russians, uh, Somalis, uh, Afghans galore. This guy right here, he's Venezuelan. I saw him in a camp uh, some months ago down in Darien. He had just come through Darien Gap. You see he's got an AK-47 tattooed to his face. That guy was, you know, Venezuela, you know, tons of gangsters from Colombia, Venezuela, Ecuador. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, and again, that doesn't even count the Chinese who are coming through in huge numbers uh, who are clearly sponsored. So the Chinese that are coming through are uh, 
coming through many routes. Some come through Canada. Some come through Darien Gap. Others come just on student visas. Others are coming up on the beaches in Florida. They'll get boats over in Bahamas and come up to Florida. And so, yeah, every single day we're being flooded with many different eco. The people from Venezuela, many actually are Hezbollah. There's a lot of Hezbollah there who actually speak uh, Spanish fluently and they speak. Um, uh, and they, I mean, they were born, they were born and raised in Venezuela. So you'll have people back in that part of the world who actually speak Spanish over in Syria, right? And over in Lebanon, because they came, they, they bounced back. They came, their families came to Central and South America and some have gone. So there's this co-sanguination They're They're all entwined. Right. And so, um, it's not like you can tell them apart. Like the, the ones I, I had a, a lunch recently here in Panama City with a Jewish fellow who three of his family members had been killed here in Panama by Hezbollah with a bombing. Right? That was 1994 when Hezbollah hit a bomb, did a bombing down in uh, Argentina, killed 85, I think, at a Jewish center, mm-hmm. and then. Within one day of that, they also killed, I think, 22 here in Panama on an airplane. It was coming from Cologne, Panama to Panama City, where I'm at now. And it was targeting the Jewish people, and it killed three of his family members, right? And the the guy, the mastermind of that Hezbollah bombing, this is really important what I'm about to say. The mastermind of that bombing is now living in Venezuela, and he owns a bar. You can't make up this stuff, right? So, I mean, yeah, so, I mean people know where he lives they know and they know they know the name of his bar and all that stuff but he's still out there doing his thing that's Hezbollah so in other words many of these Venezuelans and others who are coming through uh they're they're not who you think they are uh not that we want millions of Venezuelans anyway I mean the United States itself our economy is not doing well right uh and, and many of the people coming through are just not suitable for many of the people coming through are not literate in any language I mean many of the people coming through from Africa and Asia, uh, they can't read in any language, much less an access language such as English uh, or Spanish, Spanish and English and Russian and Italian, French, you know, German. These are all access languages. Those are languages with which you can get on the information highway, right? But a lot of the people are speaking languages that are you know, uh, Pashtun or something like that. They're not access languages, right? You're, you're within your ecosystem in those languages. Yeah. It's quite interesting. It, it is interesting because, you know, most people don't want to call that out, Michael. They want to pretend like uh, they are people who can potentially work in the United States. I know in, in New York, for an example, New York mayor, um, the New York City mayor pretty much pushed that to, to get these people in Venezuela who were coming here illegally, get them work visas. And ultimately what, what became of that, I think it was 150,000 of them right now are in New York. And ultimately only 2% of them did apply for those work visas. And, you know, we had a reporter on the other day who said that a lot of people who are coming from Africa and other countries are upset that only the Venezuelans are getting these incentives. But ultimately, Michael, based on what you just said, I don't even think we should be even giving that to, to Venezuelans at all, ultimately, because... Zero. Yeah. Why are we incentivizing them to continue coming here when they are a threat? You want more ducks? Feed the ducks. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's bottom line. If you throw... It's human osmotic pressure. Human osmotic pressure. Hop. The human osmotic pressure is that push and pull of migration, Right. And, and, and this is quite intense, uh, this, this the human osmotic pressure that's – we're incentivizing I'm, – I'm like four minutes walk away from the IOM office here in Panama City at the City of Knowledge, it's called. And, and they can actually see this canal out there office. It, those who have never heard of IOM or OIM, depending on your language, you're basically a naked baby in the jungle 
you're defenseless in understanding what's going on. You cannot possibly understand what's happening without knowing about IOM. It's just actually as impossible as doing algebra with never knowing what numbers are. You know what I'm saying? IOM is the engine of the invasion. It's the engine. The number one funder of IOM is the United States. Number two is Germany. Number three is Canada. I want to repeat, the United States is invading the United States. Mm -hmm. China and others, especially China, is deeply involved in doing this. China is, is slowly, you know, it's interesting. I, I recently had dinner with a, a retired general in Honduras about, I don't know, six weeks ago or something. And, uh, and, uh, and I asked somebody, a, a, a very interesting guy up in Honduras, do you know any top military people or government people who've been invited to China because of maybe they have family connections? And the guy goes, oh, yeah, I have a friend. He's a retired general. He was recently, uh, when he was still a general, he was invited to China, right? Because his grandfather had come from China, right? So this guy, this general, I said, well, he was far away. We were on an island, Roatan. I said, well, he's, can we fly him in tomorrow and ask him? To go to dinner with us. So we did. We flew him in. And so we flew him in uh, the next morning and we had dinner that night, which was the next night. And he told me all about it. He said, yeah, I flew to China. They took me to a village where my family's from and they took me to the graves of my families. They had a big parade for me. This is part of the check. I see this all over the place. I already knew the story he was going to tell because I, I see this everywhere. Those are called overseas Chinese, right? So they that's one grouping. So they all these overseas Chinese, they try to uh, to make them allies of CCP, Chinese Communist Party, right? Now, then there's other groups like the Mayan Indians in Honduras. There's a big Chinese um, archaeological team up there right now. They're digging up. And they're like, hey, the Mayan Indians, you're related to us. We're actually long lost cousins. And so we came over the land bridge. You are our cousins. And 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 now you are in uh, central. You know, they're doing this with many indigenous people around the world, like it, so, such as Okinawa, Japan. They're like, we're long lost cousins. And and you are. Uh, and, 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 and these nasty Spanish white people and Germans and French and whatnot came out and they took our land. We need to take it back. So there's many forms of information war going on here that are quite intense. Actually, can you hear the cleaning lady cleaning? I can ask her to stop. No, so, no. all right, I'm sorry. She's good. So right. it just, I asked her to clean like three hours ago and now <laughs> I knew, I knew this would happen. And it's so, okay. There, uh, yeah. Anyway. So anyway, the, um, uh, but so the bottom line is, is this information wars. I was just up in El Salvador as well. I've been to every country between Canada and Colombia, right? All of them inclusively, right? Looking at these things. And, and you look at I, the first thing I do when I go to other countries, which I've been to almost a hundred now, right? The first thing I'll do is I go to their museums and I go to their libraries and bookstores. That's where you can pick up a lot of like the sense of what they're, what they're about, right? So I was just up in San Salvador, the capital of El Salvador, which I would recommend by the way, to Americans to go on vacation. Uh, it's, it's actually weirdly nice. And, but actually China is making a, a, a really go for it now. Uh, and, and for instance, China just built a seven floor library, very nice library. Well, the building is nice in San Salvador. And there's a big Chinese communist flag waving out front of it. Right. And this is downtown, the capital of El Salvador. So I waited about 45 minutes, went inside the library 
spent three or four, five hours there maybe, and actually had dinner upstairs on the top floor. And it's really a brainwashing center, right? This is clearly what it is. It's mostly video games, Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, Batman, and stuff like that. And it was literally like the fifth floor was for 14 to 24-year-olds. I don't know how you group 14 to 24-year-olds, but somehow they did that. And you have to read a book for 30 minutes in order to get a pass to play the video games. And so it's all about, anyway, the long story short is I see this all over the world, right? The, this Interestingly, that, that Honduran general retired, he said, you know, he said a lot of people think China's out to conquer the world. They're not. China is coming to become the world, which is exactly what Chinese have told me in places like Hong Kong, where I spent quite a lot of time. I got kicked out of Hong Kong in 2020, actually. You can see it in the news when they put me on the airplane and shut the door. And but then, you know, or Taiwan, I actually met with a PL with a Chinese communist military officer in Taiwan. I've said this before, and some people absolutely don't believe it. They're like, so you're saying you met with a PLO military officer in Taiwan. And you know, it's like, you have no credibility saying that. Well, the fact is I did, right? I did. And and this guy was like, we're not going to attack Taiwan. We're just going to take it. We're just going to grow over it like kudzu vines, basically. Uh -huh. He didn't use that word kudzu, but we're going to grow over it like vines, right? And that's what they're doing. Thousands of Taiwanese com uh, companies are in mainland China. And you go back to Hong Kong, right? In Hong Kong, uh, they get their most of their water, their electricity, their food. That's mainland China. Right. And and Hong Kong has that really crucial port. Right. So, I mean, it's a, an access to the sea there. So a lot of this is actually about like that Panama Canal right there. It's about the BRI. It's about the new Silk Road. Right. So you so you, you, you can't understand what's going on unless you understand this architecture of these canals, of the pipelines of where the energy is, like Guyana, or so many different places, right? And you have to understand that. It's like trying to understand the human body, but not knowing about the circulatory system, right? And this is the circulatory system, right? Mm -hmm. The Panama Canal, this right here, I'm literally sitting on one of the most important pieces of real estate on all planet Earth for the United States. This is it. That canal, you may see a ship go through at any time now because they're flowing today. They're flowing every day. And, and, and China's slowly taking it, right? And likewise, anyway, it, it, long story short, if you look at Ukraine, you look at all these different things going on, it's not hard to understand when you start to really study the larger picture of what's going on. Now, when you look at the World Economic Forum, they've got all kinds of different goals, right? They've got, they've got you know, some want to do depopulation, some want to... Uh, open borders to do what that Soros crew right now, right? And they have many different goals, right? Then you got the Chinese Communist Party. They're just, we want to make the world Chinese. And I mean, genetically Chinese. They want to wipe out all the rest, right? So you got these two have grown together. Now, I think the dominant part partner is China, is what it appears to be, right? And, and people that I researched this with, we've talked about it ad nauseum, right? It, it, it appears to be the dominant partner is China. And ultimately, these two will fight because very few of these guys are actually Chinese. These, this is like, this is like Klaus Schwab. This is Bill Gates. This is Soros. This is a huge group of people, right? And interest, right? And most of those interest and groups are just piled on because 
They want to make money or they want to have power. They want to be in the club, right? And and it, when you go to wars, it's like this too. Like I was in the Iraq and Afghan wars for four years. Most of the partners who showed up to the war, like Lithuania uh, or the rest, they were really there because they needed, they wanted to sit at the table. They needed to sit at the table, the, Na- the NATO table, right? It's the same with the with these guys in WEF, right? World Economic Forum. But the Chinese Communist Party, they want to make the entire world Chinese and they are clear about it. They have no room for anybody that's not genetically Chinese, specifically Han Chinese, which is a kind of a nebulous definition. But that, like, for instance, they don't have room even for the for the Cantonese speakers. I mean, they 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 looked at you know the the the, the Cantonese speakers, for instance, of uh, of Hong Kong. Uh, they you know they look different. Like even to me, a uh, white man from Florida, I can tell the difference between. Hong Kongers and mainland Chinese, they look different to me. Actually, a lot of the mainland Chinese, the Han Chinese, they're whiter than we are, like by far, like by far. I, like, I've got some photos of, you know, like they're taking their shirts off in the jungle and stuff. They could freaking get a helicopter to land on them. They're so white. They, they stand out like a sheet, right? I mean, they, it's interesting. So, I mean, they look different than than the Hong Kongers. And the, and the Han Chinese look down. They're smaller. They're, um, they're, uh, they, they're, they're, the, the mainlanders, many of them are actually whiter. They're bigger, taller. Some of them are giant. I mean, they could be ba- basketball players. I'm talking the mainland, not all of them, but especially from northern China. But, but the bottom line is what I'm getting to is the Hong Kongers would call them Chai Nazis. And when I asked them, I asked, you know, a couple dozen. I, I think I mentioned this to you before. Why do you call them Chai Nazis? And they would say because fascism is, you know, when, when business and, and, uh, government just become one. Right. Mm -hmm. And then Nazism was basically, you took fascism and you took a big racial component and put it on top of that. Right. That was Nazism. Right. So you took huge racism and you put that on top of fascism and then you went for it. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what the China Nazis are doing. They want to make the world. So world economic forum and Chinese communist party, eventually they have to fight because these guys want to be Chinese all over the world. And these guys don't. They just want to rule the world and, um, and, uh, it, you know, and reduce the population on the world. These guys want to reduce the population and make the remainder Chinese. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sadly, this is something that we've been discussing for quite some time now when it comes to that, because we, we know what their, what their agenda is at this point. Unfortunately, here in the United States, our elected officials aren't doing anything to push back onto it. And in, in fact, uh, when it comes to the CCP, I believe, and this is my personal belief, that many of our politicians have been bought off by the CCP. Uh, Michael, just a couple of obvious. days ago. Yeah, yeah, you're like, it's very obvious. Uh, Michael, we had somebody on the show a couple of days ago, and they flagged these NGOs for us. And they said, this is the main threat and that we have to defund the NGOs. Uh, ultimately, uh, Republicans, House Republicans claim they're looking to do so through HR2. They say that they're looking to uh, defund them. Are there any ties between the NGOs who are pushing these illegal migrants into our country, giving them a map and to to figure out how to infiltrate and to get into our country? Are there any ties between those NGOs and the CCP? Because I think that would be very interesting to, for our audience to hear if there were. Oh, clearly, because the ties between the UN and the CCP, where I'm at right now, right yeah. here, I'm at, I'm at, uh, it's called Fort Clayton. That's what it used to be called. Mm-hmm. That's the U.S. Army South headquarters, right? That's what this is. Mm-hmm. And 62 nonprofits are here. NGOs, IGOs, and nonprofits, 62 of them are here. The main one is IOM. About two minutes walk from where I'm sitting is the UNHCR main headquarters. Two minutes, right out the door, 
right? And literally, if this window would face, you would be looking at their flag waving. And a little bit further down the road is the IOM flag, right? And this is the old U.S. Army South headquarters. So they took over this beautiful base and they made it into the invasion headquarters. And there's another one like this down in Philippines, right? And so, so and, and you know, of course, the headquarters for IOM and all that's actually in Switzerland, right? And so, but yeah, they, they are, listen, the World Economic Forum and the Chinese Communist Party are hand in glove. I mean, they're, they're it. Right. And so in, in, in the UN and all that, they're all tied in together. That's it, it, inseparable, like salt water from the sea. Right. Or salt in the sea. Right. It, it's just uh, they're all one. And, and, and so defunding these guys, you have to go after the principal actors, actually. But the NGOs actually like IOM, again, I want to say is the main engine room of this. There are others like Red Cross and it's just a long list. Norwegian Refugee Council. Highest, which is the Hebrew, you know, one of the Catholic charities. Yeah. The, uh, it's, a, it's a huge list, right? And, uh, and we're out there with them all the time. When I was in Lithuania watching Belarus push them in, I was in Lithuania. I was with the Lithuanian army in Afghanistan, actually. So I still have good contacts. I was down in Morocco watching Morocco push these people into Spain and Ceuta and Melilla, these two Spanish cities that are in actually Africa. Mm-hmm. And I saw that 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 Belarus was trying to push people into Poland and in to Lithuania. And I, I used to live in Poland. I called up somebody in Lithuania, an army officer. I said, hey, I'm watching Belarus try to push people into Lithuania. And again, I was with their army in Afghanistan. I still have good contacts. And they said, oh, come up here. So I flew up from Africa the next day and I was in Vilnius mm-hmm. and they gave me full access to the camps for five weeks. Right. So I was, you know, interviewing people in the camps and where they're coming from. And, and, and at this point, Belarus had just started to push them in. So I'm at this big table with the you know, Lithuanian military and some government officials and others. And I told them, listen, as you know, this is what I study around the world. That's why you just invited me up here to this table. Right. And now that this has started, what you will almost certainly see soon is IOM. You'll see IOM, you'll see UNHCR, you'll see Red Cross, you'll see NRC, you'll see HIAS, you'll see all these different groups. It's an ecosystem, right? And they all go together. They're like, you know, all these different birds that go for the corn. That, that way you're scrolling by right now on the top. That is what I call China camp. That is the camp that Mayorkas went to on April 18th, 2022, I was physically present. He has expanded the camp. Most of the Chinese who come to the Darien Gap stay in that camp. It's more like a bus station. So I'm down there all the time. I, I was just down there again. So that drone, you know, th- 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 this camp is where almost all the Chinese come through Darien Gap. They'll stay there sometimes just for a few hours, get a shower, sometimes overnight. Then they get on buses. They go to Costa Rica, Nicaragua, and then they end up in Flushing, New York or Los Angeles and whatnot, like a week or two later, right? So it's really quick because the Chinese have their own ecosystem within an ecosystem. But if you look, if you look closely on the back tent where it's blue, that's the World Food Program. Now, they used to have on top of some of the, these used to be tents and old trailers back in 2022, and they had IOM written on the trailers. But they know that it's been showing up on certain drone footage published by certain people. And and, and it was that some people thing. And uh, anyway, I'm down there all the time. And so they no longer have IOM on the roofs out there. Mm-hmm. But you look inside of these camps, for instance, that one, that one's, they actually call it San Vicente camp. I call it China camp. But you go inside that camp, the American flag is in there. 
The U.S. flag is in there right beside IOM. It'll be U.S. flag, IOM. In all the camps, it's like that. It'll be U.S. flag, IOM. U.S. flag, IOM. And again, the IOM flag is flying right out here, that away. And uh, and you, you can walk to it in just a few minutes. And that's where the old U.S. military, the old U.S. American flag used to fly on this U.S. military headquarters. So IOM flag has now replaced the U.S. flag here at Fort Clayton. For those who were stationed in, in Panama, you will recognize where I'm at right now, and you'll realize that IOM and, and all these UN people have taken this place over, and they are the ones helping the Chinese and others get through the Darien Gap. Not just here, they also help in Europe, right? Mm-hmm. They're all, and, and, and keep in mind, sometimes I leave Panama and I go straight to Netherlands. I go to Netherlands because remember, remember what I said before, a lot of this is about the circulatory system. That's the Panama Canal. In Netherlands, you've got the biggest port, port and harbor Rotterdam. There's been battles fought over that through space and time. And just south of Rotterdam is Antwerp. So China has built a railway all the way from Shanghai and other feeders. I've been to that side of it too. It goes all the way across Asia and Europe and it goes out at Rotterdam, right? So you see the Chinese Communist Party and the World Economic Forum are, are pushing really hard to take over Netherlands where they're trying to build or they're working on, they're building something called Tri-State City. Now, when I say that, they always will come up and say, oh, that's conspiracy theory. But then you look on their website and it's right there, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's one of those, I, if you read their website and write in front of them, they'll say, that's conspiracy theory. Because that's just how they, it's a that's a gaslighting information war technique, as you well know, right? And so so they're building something called Tri-State City, which would be com- is will be comprised mostly of Netherlands at this point, part of Belgium and part of Germany. You see the big protests going on with the German farmers. I've been out with them, not this year, but last year and before. And this is all part of that. This is all part of the, the takeover from the World Economic Forum and the Chinese Communist Party. That's what the farming stuff is all about. It's all about taking over key terrain, like or what's called actually vital terrain, Panama Canal, Rotterdam, Antwerp, uh, uh, over Crimea, over in the Ukraine, uh, there's all there's all these different, uh, you know, very important play- Israel. Israel is not just about Hamas versus Israelis or, or Islam versus Jews. It's also about that energy off Gaza. It's also about the Ben Gurion Canal, and it's about the Indo-European corridor. Right? If you look, the Indo-European corridor and the Ben Gurion Canal, those would best go right through Gaza. And then there's all that energy off of there. So you have to, to understand what's going on in the actual ocean currents, the real currents, not the ripples on the waves. You know, the ripples on the waves are, you know, the attacks that happen all the time that happen between, you know, there are, are the religious fights, of course, and and not just religious, but cultural fights. But th- then there is also the... The, the 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 very strong ocean currents of trade, right? And energy and just money, right? That's what the big picture is about. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's important for our audience to understand. I I don't think you get that type of insight through the corporate media at all. So Michael Yon, we appreciate you doing just that. I want to remind our audience and direct them to your Twitter page because you just are like an endless resource when it comes to information like this. So I'd recommend all of our all of our viewers right now heading over to your Twitter page or X as as the kids call it. It's uh, at Michael underscore yawn. And uh, you are so insightful, Michael. You're one of my favorite people to follow because when it comes to things like tuberculosis, which you've been warning about for over, uh, I think, a year and a half now. I think I saw it on your page. Three. Three. Three years now. Three. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm a rookie. I just found yeah. this out, I guess. Uh, but <laughs> in New York City, I, I know actively they're trying to uh, suppress the fact that there, there's a surge in TB cases, and it wasn't because of your report. It was because of your reporting. Uh, it was on my radar as well. So again, to our audience, give him a follow on Twitter. It's definitely worth it, especially because you you are talking about things just like you just described that the corporate media doesn't want to discuss. Yeah. So, Michael, we are so thankful for everything that you do. Thank you so much for joining us today. Before I go, I always have to put on some deodorant. And I used to look all the time for the best deodorant. I couldn't find it on the shelves at all until our good friends over at Give a Derm came out with a brand new deodorant. This one's called Pits Me Off. It's incredible. Watch this, it's super easy. Ta-da, and that's all you need. And it dries super quick. Obviously, I'm wearing black. There's no white residue left over. It's a natural deodorant. It's made right here in the USA. There's none of those Chinese harmful chemicals also included in it. It's giveaderm.com, and then use the promo code Brianna for 10% off. You gotta try it. I wanna let our audience in on a little secret. I'm saving hundreds of dollars each year after switching over both of my lines to Patriot Mobile. Yes, so now my business and personal line are with Patriot Mobile. Now Patriot Mobile uses the same towers that you're probably already using now, except it's less expensive. So my 5G towers that I love to use my old provider, I'm still using them now. I'm just paying significantly less money to do so. And on top of it all, Patriot Mobile believes in the same things you and I believe in. They have the same morals. So they donate to causes that are like pro-life causes, veteran causes, and even the NRA. It's incredible. So I highly recommend you head over to PatriotMobile.com right now. Take a look at their plans and sign up. And today, if you sign up and use promo code Brianna, they're going to waive the activation fee. Yes, you heard it right. They're going to waive the activation fee. Just make sure you use promo code Brianna, B-R-E-A-N-N-A. As many of you know, the border crisis is out of control, and unfortunately, we're not seeing much being done by the administration. The current administration right now seems to be encouraging illegal migration into our country rather than trying to stop this from happening. Now, last week, House Republicans did visit the border. As you could see, uh, that is Speaker Mike Johnson, who is there. And I know many of you, when we were talking about this last week, were kind of skeptical about this. You thought it was just for show. You weren't sure if anything was actually going to be done. So our next guest, well, he was there. He brought he brought you this coverage exactly how it was. Let's welcome in Julio Rojas. He's an independent journalist, and he's also the writer of the Mostly Peaceful Live Substack. Julio, thank you for being here. I greatly appreciate you jumping on to your very first appearance on the Brianna Morello Show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you, Julio. I want to go over what happened last week in Eagle Pass, Texas. Now, you were there. You've, you've been covering on the border for quite some time now. Most uh, The House Republicans that were there, they were uh, very hopeful in trying to resolve the issue. What was the big takeaway? Is this more of a showboating type of thing where they're just making their appearance and doing a photo op? Or are you optimistic that something actually might be done? So, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, Speaker Mike Johnson, and it was about over 60 of House Republicans that were there as part of that delegation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think there will be things that will be happening as a result, not just because of this particular visit, but it's been kind of building up. And the reason why is that even today, right now, actually, as we're as we're filming this, um, the House Homeland Security Committee is having its first official impeachment hearing uh, into Secretary Mayorkas and the the chairman. 
uh, Mark Green, he was also part of that delegation too. And he really hammered that point to say that this is one of the ways we're going to hold the administration accountable is by impeaching Secretary Mayorkas. Like we think we have done the case, we, we've done the hearings, looking into the facts, and now this is the next stage. Um, the reason why the first impeachment uh, effort by Marjorie Taylor Greene failed is because um, some Republicans <laughs> believed that uh, Marcus wasn't getting his due process. And so these hearings that are now happening uh, starting today and will continue um, will kind of is to appease that kind of faction of of the House Republican Conference. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember when Marjorie Taylor Greene put that up for a vote and it didn't pass, obviously. Uh, it was a little premature. I know that was a lot of the criticism that she did receive on that. We played earlier in the show a soundbite uh, from a congressional member who who was upset because after talking to Mayorkas, he he seemed to it appeared he issued kind of a threat saying that you're not going to like the person that comes after me. Are you hopeful that if they do impeach Mayorkas, that there won't be somebody more radical than he is? Uh, I mean that that's kind of the the big question of like okay so you it, it would be the case of the the dog actually catching up to the car that he's chasing is like okay well, now what happens. Um, I think it would, I think, I think I wouldn't put it past his administration to say, well, screw you guys. We're going to put someone even more radical, but even in the, even in the sense that they don't even really need to do that. Um, just because my is not acting on his own volition. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. he's able to get away with all this because, um, he's following through what the Biden administration wants, which is this open border and wanting all these people to come from all over the world. So it's not even in the sense that someone would be more radical than, than Myricus, I think is just seeing another yes man, which is what Myricus is. He's just being a yes man. He knows what's, what's happening is wrong. He knows what's happening is not sustainable and is not good for the country, uh, but he's still doing it anyway. He's, he's, he's still more than happy to uh, carry out these orders. Yeah, it's hard to watch, but I want to get to something that's near and dear to my heart, obviously. Uh, there's a happy border story that we want to cover, of course. We seem to cover all the negative ones, unfortunately, I want to talk about this. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, Jorge Ventura posted this video of finding this puppy that you have right now in your hands uh, at the border. You went and you rescued this puppy. You now have yourself a beautiful little pup. Her name is Bella. Uh, I want to talk about Bella because it's such a happy story. And we really don't hear that many of these happy stories these days with the border. So Bella, you rescued here, as you see here in this picture. It's amazing. And uh, you've given her a great life. She now lives in South Florida. So can we get an update on Bella? Yes. So myself, uh, Taylor Hansen, our friend Juan, we were thankfully able to, to track her down because we, we didn't really know about her situation fully until the day after when Jorge found her. Um, and so uh, we went into Mexico. We were able to get her. And so now I can say that she is uh, fully kind of come into her own. She is herself. Uh, she's been active during this interview, as you've seen. Yeah. Um, but she, when we first got her, she was just under three pounds. I would say she's now about four pounds or just under four pounds. So she is growing. Um, we, we got her dewormed. We got her, um, got rid of her fleas, her ticks and everything, giving her multiple baths. And so she, for, for all intents and purposes, she, she is healthy as, as, uh, as a dog can be, especially I, I was, I was concerned the first few days when, when, when I had her, I'm like, okay, well, she seems okay, but you know, what is the vet going to say? Are they going to find anything? They haven't found anything as of yet. She does have another vet appointment later this week. Um, and so, yeah, no, she, she, uh, she's very smart. Yeah. She's a very smart dog. She's, I'd say about 95% potty trained. Um, if she does go in the house, she usually goes 
on the pads that, that I have set down. But often we, you know, we do take her out a lot just to make sure that she doesn't have to do that. But um, no, she, she's, she's very happy. She, she has her own little happy dance when, when, it, when it's time, when it's time to feed her. And so, um, yeah, as you can tell, she's, she's very lively. Yeah, she's beautiful. She's beautiful. And I love how in this picture, you sent this to me, she's got one ear that's gone up. And so yeah. both of them might go up fully. I got one, I got a friend who has a dog and both of them just popped up one day on her. And so now they've got these two big ears. It's so cute. Um, she's so precious. And I, I love this story. Now, Julio, now that your dog is here in South Florida, there are some things that all little dogs require in South Florida. A stroller is one, obviously. But most importantly, every dog, especially a girl, deserves their own chewy, <laughs> chewy baton. It is incredible. My pup's got one. So we got your your pup one. Bella's going to love it. You're going to love it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> yeah, uh, we will We will make sure We'll make sure that she, she gets that. Yeah, no, we. it's... It's been great. It's been great. Uh, it's been a little bit of a learning curve because I had a Chihuahua for 14 years, but but our family got him when he was was he was three, so he was yeah. already past the puppy stage, and he was basically an adult. Um, so kind of learning the how puppies are and kind of the care they need, yeah. um, and it is basically like almost you know just a step below having an actual newborn human baby in terms of just their care and requirement. But um, no, it's it's been great, and we're happy that we were. Yeah, able to have a happy story just because it just seems that wherever wherever my travels take me, it's usually not anything good and not for good reasons. So it's it's nice just for my own um, for my own sake that there was something good to come out of a depressing trip. Yeah, yeah, no, we love it. We love it. This is a good happy ending. We need more of these. Uh, I'm all for rescuing dogs and anti uh, legal migration. So that's my thing. So this is a great story to promote for our audience. I want to again remind our audience that you are the writer behind Mostly Peaceful Live, and they could go sign up at your Substack again. Independent journalism, you got to support it because unlike the corporate world, we are self-funded and we all could use a little support. So again, go over there, subscribe. You, you're working on some great pieces. I know you're following a lot of these protesters, the violent protesters, uh, the pro-Hamas protesters, and what they're up to. So it's definitely a good follow. So I would definitely recommend everyone going and checking you out. Julio Rojas, thank you for your time. We greatly appreciate it. You guys, I've said it once before, so I'm going to say it again. Under the Biden regime, I've never been more worried about my financial future. I called my good friend, Dr. Kirk Elliott, because I wanted to come up with a plan put in place to make sure I was secure. And he came up with a plan for me to invest in silver. I'm rich. I've got my silver. I'm feeling so much better about my future. I highly recommend you give him a call and just chat with his team. 720-605-3900. And you could also head over to his website if you'd like to schedule an appointment. It's kirkelliotphd.com slash Brianna. Before I go, I always have to put on some deodorant. And I used to look all the time for the best deodorant. I couldn't find it on the shelves at all until our good friends over at Give a Derm came out with a brand new deodorant. This one's called Pits Me Off. It's incredible. Watch this, it's super easy. Ta-da, and that's all you need. And it dries super quick. Obviously, I'm wearing black. There's no white residue left over. It's a natural deodorant. It's made right here in the USA. There's none of those Chinese harmful chemicals also included it. It's giveaderm.com. And then use the promo code Brianna for 10% off. You gotta try it. 
I want to let our audience in on a little secret. I'm saving hundreds of dollars each year after switching over both of my lines to Patriot Mobile. Yes, so now my business and personal line are with Patriot Mobile. Now, Patriot Mobile uses the same towers that you're probably already using now, except it's less expensive. So my 5G towers that I love to use my old provider, I'm still using them now. I'm just paying significantly less money to do so. And on top of it all, Patriot Mobile believes in the same things you and I believe in. They have the same morals. So they donate to causes that are like pro-life causes, veteran causes, and even the NRA. It's incredible. So I highly recommend you head over to PatriotMobile.com right now. Take a look at their plans and sign up. And today, if you sign up and use promo code Brianna, they're going to waive the activation fee. Yes, you heard it right. They're going to waive the activation fee. Just make sure you use promo code Brianna, B-R-E-A-N-N-A. And if you enjoyed that segment, make sure you hit that like button. And if you want to see the news before it becomes the news, you have to subscribe to our channel. And well, if you have a liberal friend that you're looking to save, make sure you share this content with them.